it was all a pipe dream Watching body boarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 57 57 of our Verbal Journaling, sorry If I can get that out And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor Well, today's guest is most certainly a special one Because today's guest started bodyboarding at the age of 10, just over 13 years ago. And his second year on the foam led him all the way into the most prestigious international competition in the bodyboarding realm, the 2012 Pipeline Pro at the ripe age of 12. (laughs) I'll just pause for a few seconds whilst I let you take that in. The ripe age of 12. I know what I was doing at 12, and it certainly didn't involve competing at one of the world's most dangerous waves against the world's best bodyboarders. That fact alone is an incredible feat and really highlights the level of bodyboarding that has been shown through today's guest's entire career. Guided by the GOAT of Boogan, Mike Stewart, and possessing one of the greatest technical skill sets the world has ever seen, I'm joined today by your 2023 IBC World Champion, Tanner McDaniel. Nick, oh man, that was a that was a pretty glorious intro. Thanks. Took me down took me down memory lane there. Oh, dude, looking back over your career, took me down memory lane. I'd forgotten about the 2012 Pipeline Pro. Fuck, when I saw that video come up from APB back in the day and you're just casually speaking about getting like instructions from Mike and, and guidance to go down the beach. And, man, when I paddled out pipe at the age of 19 in my first season in Hawaii, it took me like two hours of sitting on the beach with a very good friend, Tom Flynn, at the time, who'd come over from Australia, and we were like, what the fuck are we doing here? This looks so gnarly. And I was seven years your senior, mate. Can you just give us a rundown on 2012 and what that experience was like? Man, that was such a wild, like, two-week period. Uh, I mean, as far as the comp went, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, I had, um, I guess, I had entered with the intention of just doing the trials, which was going to be at Sandy Beach. You know, I've competed at that event before. I had surfed it enough where i was like you know maybe i'll go and get to surf a couple of heats in this event and like a world tour event and you know compete against you know the world's best guys i just kind of wanted to you know show what i had and i had somehow qualified for the main event without having to do the trials because i had done just done pretty well in the i think in the hawaii events and it was enough to get me into the main event and i'm sitting there like at the trials, basically expecting to just surf half point and make a couple of heats and that was it. So um, this is kind of hectic, but I had them actually take me out of the main event and put me in the trials because that's what I wanted to do. And then I ended up making it through the trials anyways and getting to surf pipe. So how's that? More tech issues? Damn. Uh, It's all good. We're on the way back. Congratulations, Tanner. World champ. Big ups to that. Um, you really don't want to listen to me dribble shit. So um, let's get back into this podcast, eh? 
Hey everyone, very sorry about the interruption. We just had a technical difficulty. Um, Tanner was just finishing off speaking about his first ever uh, time in the 2012 pipeline comp and it started at the Sandy Beach Pro um, trials and it was a quite, uh, we're just going to pick up where it was quite interesting. Tanner was just telling us about getting taken out of the main event. Bros, good to have you back. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Yeah, no, all good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty, uh, funny funny story i guess it's kind of hectic um you know most people would probably jump at the opportunity to just you know be straight into the pipe event but that kind of wasn't my goal i wasn't there to you know at that point i wasn't there to surf pipe i wasn't there to surf in the pipeline event i was there to kind of show kind of what i could do and get like with the best guys in the world i kind of just wanted to you know show show my abilities show my skills and um you know, I ended up back in the main event, so it all worked out pretty well. That's amazing. And so what what was the thinking behind the first call to get you asked to um, be taken out of the, the draw and then going to the trials? Was it just a mind frame of like, I'm coming here to, to show my skill sets and make sure that I'm I'm good enough to compete against the, the world's best? Or like, what was the mind frame going in there? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, we should, we rocked up to Sandy's the morning of the trials and I couldn't. I didn't see me in the heat drop. And so my mom went up and talked to, I think it was Terry McKenna at the time was running that. Um, he was like the guy to talk to for that. And they were like, you know, what's up? Like Tanner's not in the draw. And he's like, Oh no, he's like, he's in the main event. Like no worries. And my mom was like, <laughs> basically like, Oh shit, that's not what we wanted. Can you put him back in the trials? And I could tell, you know, it was kind of like a, what are you serious kind of kind of moment like the people were scratching their head and they'd you know double check like are you sure this is what you want to do and yeah i mean i was i remember thinking like no put me in the trials like i want to this is what i want to do i want to you know serve some heats out here and basically just like compete with these guys yeah and, wow what a good mind frame man like it's really refreshing that you, yourself and your family had that because as you said most people just jumped at the chance to be in a pipeline pro but knowing your age knowing your time in the water only been on a bodyboard for two years at that stage can i just remind everyone on the podcast listening that tanner mcdaniel was placed into the pipeline pro with two years of bodyboarding experience under his belt mind you obviously coming from such a wave rich area of the island of Kauai and having the guidance of mike but still that's amazing man do you ever look back on that at 12 and just think like that's a landmark moment that no one has really come close to Man, it, yeah, it's um, it's certainly uh, yeah, it's I look back on that very very fondly. You know, that was a, just a, it was a crazy basically week and a half where just like stuff like that was just, you know, I had really good results in the trials. Like I felt like I got to really like, you know, show what I was capable of, and it felt like people kind of took notice of that. And um, that was really my goal was just to kind of like, um to make a name for myself there and then anything else on top of that was pretty sweet and um got to you know do the have a heat out of pipe i think i got third in the first heat i had out there but um it was really cool and like at the time when this was when it was still the iba you know they did a um interview piece on me for like the youtube channel that you know just seemed to like <laughs> kind of blow up because i was this pretty like awkward little toehead kid who was serving pipe and it's just yeah it's 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 crazy to think back and look back on it now 
Oh, yeah, I can remember like clear as day when that first came out because obviously we had in Cronulla a young Grom at the time, Sam Strachan, who was five or six years younger than the generation that he was surfing with and we all thought he was, you know, ridiculously talented and which he was at the age of 14, 15, 16. Sam had the world at his feet and um, was an extremely technical bodyboarder, much like yourself. And uh, it just was, it was so evident to us in Cronulla that he had um, so much talent and he was just oozing it. But for you, it being three years younger, Tanner, than, than, than even that and, and having the people around you pushing you, like what was the general consensus of the of the crew you were hanging around with? Like I know you hung around with the Boogie Nation guys a lot. I know Dave Hubbard was a really big influence. Like what were the people um, around you saying at the time when you were 12 taking the world by storm? Yeah, I mean, everyone was just super, super supportive. Like the Boogie Nation guys, they they really helped me a lot, a lot that first year. Like, you know, they were running um, a Vimeo page and they were doing edits and they were doing cool videos and they would run a section of me um, basically whenever I had been able to collect enough footage. And that was, you know, getting my name kind of going around. And I remember um, like when whenever they'd finished the video, like waiting and checking actually the Riptide Facebook page to see like, you know, if the video, if Riptide posted the video on Facebook and, you know, I got to read the comments and, you know, just, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, the Boogie Nation guys, they, they helped me so much, like, you know, kind of have the confidence to do that kind of stuff. And they kind of gave me a bit of guidance just in the kind of the right direction I needed to be going. Yeah, because at 12, man, it would be law, it were quite easy to just fall off the path, so to speak, and, you know, have too much thrust in front of you at such a, uh, an early age. It's very important, I'm sure you would know by now, to have the mentors and the right crew around you, just making sure that you, you keep um, keep keep on track and, and, you know, not like that your head's ever got too big. You're, all, you're always a very humble individual, but, you know, that sort of stuff can happen um, quite easily. It seems, you know, you even look at the, the age-old formula, say, like a movie star, a child movie star, like I can't remember the name of him and don't want to poke fun at him or anything like that, but it's more so just an example of like the yeah. the home and away dude, you know, like uh, I mean the home alone dude, sorry. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like he was so big and everyone's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then obviously because he, he was thrust into that, that world and that limelight so young, um, it, would, it would have been so hard to deal with. And much like your life, man, like we've all known you since the age of 12 and you've been a kind of a household name in bodyboarding. What's like that? What, what's been, sorry, how's, how's it been to um, deal with that, man? And, and what have you put in place that, that has really helped you deal with it? I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty freaking awkward. And I was a pretty shy kid. So I think kind of my own personality keeps me, um, keeps me kind of down to earth. It's pretty, pretty hard for me to get a big head. And also like growing up, um, especially like surfing on the North shore in the wintertime, you know, you're at the end of the day, you're a body water. You're going to be going to, you, you can't really not stay humble out there. Um, but it's been it's been interesting for me because you know I'm I don't feel like I'm very outgoing, um, so getting attention like that honestly like was a little bit much for me. I was like super stoked and like felt really cool, but I didn't really know how to 
quite handle it. Like I was just like, oh, you know, didn't didn't fully like embrace it and bask in it kind of thing. I just got to got to enjoy it kind of in my own way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If that makes sense. No, 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 no. It definitely does, man. It definitely does. And and you, you, I really do admire if you had to come out and just talk about uh, your personality and just understand where you know, um, like your strengths and weaknesses are. And it's, it's it's come through so much in your surfing, man. You're so tactical and analytical when it comes to knowing what you need to do um, in order to succeed. And it's, you know, I even remember listening to something on the IBC broadcast um, this year. One of the commentators mentioned, it was a really good point in regards to how in none of your bodyboarding moves, your elbows seem to leave the board, especially your leading arm elbow. If you're going left, obviously with your left arm leading right with your right arm leading, you're, you're extremely calculated when it comes to all that stuff. And, and again, like I've got to say it, man, like there's no one more technically brilliant than you in the sport at the moment. And in, even in the past, like it's, we all thought Nick Gornell and John Bruce, like they're definitely amazing. And there's been so many other technical writers, dude, you are just, leading the way. So it's really interesting to see you break that down and with your personality reflect almost back into your writing, because I can tell, as you said, through interviews and whatever, like it's not your most favorite thing to do. You still hold yourself extremely well, but yeah, you're not that outgoing person that can just live off a personality. You've also just had to, you know, really work hard on your, on your boogan, man. And it's, it's, it's quite evident that you think about bodyboarding every day, man, because like the way you're, well, to me personally, I don't know if that's the case, but like, it's yeah. crazy to see like your your understanding of like bodyboarding. Like, have you and Mike just locked yourselves in like you know the, the TV room at home and just gone over reruns like twenty four hours a day, bro? Like, it's crazy. Um, no, nah, I mean, so I'm I'm pretty um pretty picky about like if I get to watch footage of myself, I really sorry I had to adjust my um mic real quick there. Um, if I get to watch footage of myself, and whenever I do, I'm very very um picky about it like I have a certain way that I I envision myself writing and if it doesn't if I don't see that reflected I like I'll kind of try to identify what I'm doing wrong how I could do something more efficiently like <laughs> funny enough like the um like the week two weeks before I left for Fronton I was you know surfing out at surfing out one of the beaches here and I was like man I don't feel like my like flips on rights are as you know um efficient it was was kind of the word i was thinking like just the whole process and i got my hands on some footage and i realized i was like tucking and crossing my legs the wrong a way that i think was causing that like basically having my feet cross the wrong way in the flip and i tried to correct it and just that simple correction i think my flips on rights improved like 50% Wow, so, so you were flipping on the right the same way you would have your legs crossed on the left for a backflip? Yeah. Wow, yeah, okay, cool. And just from the way your body um, kind of rotates and everything, it's a lot better. I mean, yeah, it definitely makes sense because you would be leading yeah. with a certain leg, wouldn't you? Like would it also – would it be the leg that's the opposite um, to the leading hand? So if you had your left hand leading, it would be your right leg that is holding the cross in? Yes. No. So it's the other way around. At other least for what, what works for me is my outside foot has to come in first. Okay. Okay. So sweet. It, it seems a little bit weird because 
yeah, I don't know. It just, I had to make that correction and just, just stuff like that. I've always tried to um, just, you know, if something felt weird or it looked weird, there's, there's a reason for it. So I would just, you know, try to identify it and fix it as best I could. But as far as the, you, you at, uh, mentioned like sitting down and watching footage with Mike. Um, I wouldn't say we've ever done that. Um, I do have a, f- a pretty funny, funny story though. People will enjoy this. I don't know if anyone has seen um, he, Mike. He may have made a post about it a while ago talking about like his move map. And um, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. He may have may or may not have posted that. Um no, I'm just trying to think. Actually, in my, in my head, the move map. So, is it is it something that he's got all his moves mapped out and he's he's working on each individual one? Yeah. So, um, when I first started writing for science, and I kind of started um, like getting to work with Mike a little bit more and communicate with him, he had me. He gave me homework. Basically, um, he had me draw a wave on a piece of big blank piece of paper and write down all the moves that I could do going each direction, like forward spin to roll, roll to forward spin, backflip to spin, and like all the different combinations. And then like basically just had me draw it all out. And so I could like visualize it. And then also on the same thing, like start writing down different, like new things that I hadn't done that I wanted to do or different variations of those moves or different combinations of those moves. And just like really um, kind of helped me cultivate like, you know, like the creativeness, like, you know, not to just like, it kind of pushed me to think outside the box. And he's always been really good about that. You know, he's always kind of asking me like, Oh, are you working on anything new? Or are you, you know, stuff like that. So he's always been a big, um, someone who pushes that pretty hard, especially in me. Yeah, that's sick. And I love how it's maybe not just getting in a room and and breaking down each session or move or whatever, but it's starting from the beginning um, and and giving you the tools, I guess, and to visualize what you need to do to succeed. I mean, a lot of the comments I see from Mike on your posts um, throughout the years, and especially in the last couple of years when you've been on the world tour and clearly one of the best bodybuilders in the world, if not the best, and now you've succeeded in this year, um, becoming that with with like a, a... a world title next to your name it's clear in the comments man he um he's he's so influential when it comes to like support when it comes to like the the drive that you need and and also too it must be so so epic just coming from a prestigious company like science that has been around pretty much from the get-go and has one of the greatest bodyboarders if not the greatest bodyboarders um of all time behind it man like what What's it like being writing for science and, and what's it like being um, under Mike's tutelage, so to speak? Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. Um, I get to, you know, I've worked very closely with Mike for the last, for, you know, I think it's been ooh, uh, 12 years since I first started writing for science. Um, and it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, the, not just with Mike, like, obviously, you know, we have a great relationship. We, you know, if I have a problem non-bodywording related, I feel like I could call him and, you know, talk to him about it or whatever. Like we have a pretty good relationship like that. And just the other guy, like, you know, the other people in the company are also like, they're awesome. You know, I, I speak to the U S um, rep pretty regularly, John Williams. He's, you know, a really good guy and just awesome to work with. And the rest of the you know, distributors and people who work within the company are awesome. Like 
the Hawaii rep who, you know, first kind of sponsored me, Norm is, you know, just always super supportive. I would go and stay with Johnny C over in uh, Nui when I come to Oz. Yeah, Johnny C, what a legend. Yeah, absolute. Just, just, yeah, a legend is the perfect way to put it. Um, him and, you know, the Crookshank family are just awesome. They're always super supportive. And Johnny's been a big help for me, actually. He's been giving me some pretty good advice over the last few years. And, you know, um, I really respect what he has to say. So when he, you know, tells me something or if he suggests I, you know, make some adjustments just in regards to anything. I'm, I listen. I, I, I really like respect what he has to say, and you know, his thoughts are yeah. I hold I hold them. I hold them very valuable. That's sick, man. That's so cool to hear. I was only speaking with Johnny the other day. I haven't spoken to him in a while. It was good to catch up. And um, yeah, he's a he's a very down to earth, knowledgeable fellow, especially when it comes to all things bodybuilding, but particularly competition. He's a, he's a competitive animal and takes out so many of the the local state and national comps here in Australia on like an annual basis. So um, yeah, you're in such good hands, man. And what's it like being, um, you know, obviously growing up in Kauai is like the islands of Hawaii are just famous all around the world for producing first class athletes when it comes to the ocean. But What's it like being going from Hawaii and now for the last three or three and a half years having um, a fair bit of time spent in, in Cali? Like, it, it, what's been the main changes to your personal life and for your surfing? Yeah, um, it's it's certainly a change of pace, that's for sure. I grew up, you know, on the south side of Kauai. It's rather, it's a small, small island. So, you know, it's slower paced, um, which is great. But I was at the time of my life, you know, where I felt like I needed needed a bit of change. And um, I had met some awesome people over here. I was, you know, extending my layovers basically every chance I could in L.A. just so I could hang here for a week or two. And um, when it was kind of the time, I think around when I was 19, I was kind of getting ready to – I was at the age where I was, you know, feeling like I wanted to move out and – you know, this seemed like the obvious choice. Now the waves are more difficult. It's uh, hard to get good waves here. That's for sure. But in a way you appreciate the good sessions a little more because they happen fewer and far between. Um, I think I'm much more social here also. Um, I just met some, you know, some of my best, my best friends live here now. Uh, my girlfriend is from here and yeah, I'm, I'm, really happy with my decision to, you know, come to the mainland. Yeah, that's sick. And I can definitely see from a social side because obviously growing up in Kauai, small island, not having um, the same amount of people in Cali, which is just a boiling pot of so many cool cultures, man. Um, you know, it's quite evident that you have made some some epic friends over there. I know Craig Wetter, um, another professional bodyboarder from from the West Coast. He's he's a, an incredible burg in his own, own right. And you guys are doing some really cool things with um, the breaking even movie and then you've got sack chat um youtube yeah. channel and all the different clips like it's incredible to see what you guys are producing over there um i, I wanted to ask though with your writing wh- what do you feel like the last um three three and a half years has, has done personally for your writing because you mentioned then that the waves are more difficult it, has that has that been able to um giving you more drive to get good waves or is it you just appreciate the sessions more like what's how has it improved your technical bodyboarding yeah, I mean, so you you definitely have to work 
work quite a bit harder to get good waves here. You know, you have to drive further, you have to surf in colder water, you have to deal with crowds more, and, you know, the good sessions aren't as often. And for a little while, I was worried that I was kind of losing a bit of my edge. But once I kind of settled into the, you know, the style of waves here and, you know, kind of the, the routine here, I think it's actually, imp- it's helped me round out parts of my riding that I was maybe lacking before. Like I'm much better in small beach break conditions than I was before I moved. Um, I I feel like I'm a little bit more adaptable now because I'm surfing a lot more beach breaks and they're, they can tend to be pretty wonky or funky or flat, or sometimes they're just straight up surfing waves. And I think that's helped me kind of round out my riding a bit, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think it's just helped me polish things up a bit more. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. And I guess it does make sense, man, coming from the the islands, brah, you just get so much swell over there and you get so much power. So I guess um, it's almost a curse in Cronulla too. When we get waves, it's usually on the powerful end of things and we don't seem to concentrate so much on the small stuff. And it's so funny, you've just recently um, – but you just recently mentioned sorry about like small beach breaks and surfer waves i've gone up an inch in my bodyboard back here at home for smaller waves with a bat tail believe it or not and it has made me appreciate so many more different waves that i can bodyboard now instead of just being that real lame um narrow-minded kind of bodyboarder that just wanted the slabs you know because it's used in, in all sort of conditions and it makes you a way better rider if you can try and do it in, in all conditions instead of just using it for those slabby barreling, like air bowling kind of days. So that's, that's epic. Have you changed anything in your equipment whilst riding over there, Tanner? Um, I haven't changed anything with like the standard crescent tail shape I ride, but I have started taking out the, the bat tail delta tail board um a bit and i love it it's so fun like if the waves are a little soft you can just get like so much like release out of the tails like if you're going for like a bank or if you're it just the board spins like a top and it's just i have a really fun time riding that which you know it would maybe be a session where i just go and ride a surfboard or i wouldn't even paddle out but i'll take you know the the delta tail board out and i'll just have a blast on it that's epic. That's really cool. And is that something you just only recently started doing? Um, I think I got one, I want to say two, two years ago. And Ooh, I've been, wow. I'll, I'll, I'll ride it for a little while and then I'll put it back on ice and take it out again. And yeah, I kind of go through little phases of it. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Perfect. I know, I know what you mean. Just bring it out on those special days and when they're, they're, they're really suited. Um, speaking about ice, you know, putting things on ice. Um, you've had to put your emotions on ice heavily over the last kind of four to six months, bro, I would imagine. Um, yeah. Just from watching from the outside, looking in as, as a bodyboard enthusiast and someone who, uh, who generally just loves the sport, you, you understand when big moments are arising and pretty much all your finals this year, man, um, in the 2023 IBC calendar year were – were big moments um, yeah. and the comps leading up to them, all the heats uh, I want to touch on too because you had to do so much surfing to get at those moments. So you, you, you've been, you know, you've been under pressure um, for the entire year, being at the top of the rankings because you were the best. Um, you were consistently competing at the highest level and putting in the best results. 
bar a couple of very small and minor crucial moments in um, those finals that obviously led to the outcomes that we see, man. Like, what was it like dealing with the pressure over this year and what was it like having the pressure released? Man, um, it was pretty wild. Like, the pressure just built over South America. Like, I felt pretty good going into the first event, which is Anafragasta. I won that event last or the year before. So I was feeling pretty good. I knew it was going to be hard to win it again. Like, it's pretty hard to go back to back, especially at, like, a really tricky wave like that. And, um, you know, I made the final there. Tristan kind of just outgamed me in that final. You know, he he just surfed a smarter heat than me. And I was pretty bummed after the final. Like, I was stoked I was there. But after getting second in the rankings last year to Tristan and then losing to him in the final at the first event of the year, I was like, oh my goodness, like this again, like, you know, basically <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, and then we went to Eureka from there. You know, I had <laughs> I had some really, really banging heats, you know. I had to surf against Matias, who's like one of the standouts there, like three times in that event. I oh, and he was on fire that comp, bro. He was on fire. He was- it was ripping. And, you know, every time I'd have him in the heat, I'm like, gosh, like I beat him already once. Like, am I going to be able to do it again? Kind of thing. Like, you know, you only, you know, he, he, I would watch the heat before ours and he would just be ripping. And then we'd have the next heat together and then we would make it out of that round. It'd be a three man heat. And then we'd have a man on man heat together. Like we, I think we surfed the quarterfinals together and he was just, he was going for it. And how many times did you verse him during the Eureka comp? Was it three? Yeah. Three times. Yeah, see that's insane. I don't. I mean, people are. Uh, I don't want to take away from your um your story here. I'll just quickly intervene and say that people don't understand how many heats you're surfing, man. And we, we need to touch on that later because it's that, that's insane. But yeah, sorry, you you're making your way to the Eureka final. Yeah, and like I was, you know, I felt like I was surfing like how I wanted to. Basically, I was getting pretty good waves in all my heats. You know, I had a couple of couple of you know close calls. Like I had a in the semifinal with Moz, you know, he had a 10 <laughs> and oh. I ended up getting a 10 as well. So that was nice. And Moz is like kind of, you know, he's, it feels like he's untouchable out there. So, you know, to get, get one over on him out there was, um, that was really cool. And then well, he you know, looks like a fierce the- competitor too, man. Like he, he looks like a dude that brings it every time in the water. Hey, like not physically just, and mentally, like seriously mentally. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll be honest, my game plan going into that heat was I'm going to give him priority. I know he's going to wait for his wave. Just I'm going to try to get a wave before he gets a 10. So I have a shot. That was legitimately my game plan because he had been surfing so well. And I knew what his game plan was. And I was just like, I just need to get myself into a position where when he gets a 10, not if, like when he gets a 10, I can still win this heat. Yeah, because he had had like another two 10s in previous heats on the left eye. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I remember one of those barrels was just like, shouldn't, shouldn't have even got underneath it in the first place. And the way he time traveled through that thing, it was just. Yeah, like it deserved a 10. So, yeah, you you were against a guy that was literally almost unstoppable. Yeah, and I, I was just like, I just need to give myself, you know, he's going to get his waves. I need to be able to make sure that I have a chance when the wave comes for me because it was pretty pumping that day. Like up until, uh, I mean, 
I'll be honest, up until the final, it was really good. The final was a little bit shocking. <laughs> but it, um, it looked a bit slower, didn't it? It looked a lot harder to get those those tens, especially. Yeah, it was weird. I've never, I'd never, unless I was just like fully just tripping, I had never like felt a Rika like that. Like it was, it was like peak high tide, so it was super fat. And a lot of the waves I went on in the first like like ten minutes of that final were waves that I was like, oh, this looks like a sick one. Like this is a wave I would want in a free surf. And it would just go fat and just push off the reef. So I was like, kind of just like tripping out for the first half of the final. Like, you know, this is like not, a, didn't feel like flopos. Like it just felt like a completely different wave. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause it looks like it does kind of run. And again, I haven't served it personally, but from the pumping days, it looks like it definitely most certainly hugs the reef and kind of just rifles down that, that, that end bit and all the water holding up on the end there. Um, you know, kind of makes makes those available bowls. So that that high tide just wasn't allowing anything. It was just too much water there. Yeah, it was weird. I'd never surfed it where it was like fully just too high. Like, and I, I didn't know like didn't know how to react to it. Really, like I was looking at all these waves. Like, man, this looks like a good one. Like, got to kind of you know, I've surfed Eureka a fair bit. Like, I need to kind of trust that. And I would, you you yeah. won Eureka in two thousand and twenty two, didn't you? I, uh, no, I made the semifinals in, I made the semifinals last year. Uh, I made the final in 2019 and I won 2020 or 2018. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I knew you'd won in there somewhere. I just had got it mixed up with time. Yeah. So you've had so much experience out there, man. You've won the comp and been in the final another two times. Like, come on. Yeah. So yeah, it just like, it just fully like, just took me on a little, took me on a ride. And then, you know, I got a, I got a sick one in the final and then, I needed a four or 4.5 and I just, I, I was, I had like 10 minutes, I think left. And I was like, okay, like surely a wave is going to come in that I can get a four or a four or five and just couldn't make it happen. Well, I had one, I had one chance, I guess. And just, uh, just didn't quite work out. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that one chance because, um, it was the holy grail of chances, man. You went to, <laughs> You went for the inverse, the, the invert air reverse, which again, I know you can do in your sleep. Um, you've done it many times before. And at El Flopos, it just looks like that landing is so intense in there that any slight um, unbalancing or anything just out, or even just if you, you do land perfectly and that implosion there just kind of gets you, you're not going to ride out of it. Have you thought to yourself, have you had sleepless nights? I should have just done the invert. I should have just done the invert. Have you ever had yeah. any of those moments or like what's the, um, how do you see that? So I'll, I'll walk you through that wave. Um, I was, you know, I've been sitting there for a while and I was like, okay, you just need a 4.5. Like just get that, like just play it safe. You don't need to go any, you don't need to do anything crazy. And so that wave came in, I was looking, I was like, man, this is a, like, this is a really good wave. Like this is a huge ramp, just do an invert. And as soon as I hit it, I felt my momentum just like continued down the line as I was tweaking it. And I could feel my like lower half of my body start to like over rotate a little bit. And I just, I made the, made the call. I had to just commit to trying to rotate and yeah, I should have just gone for the reverse, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You say it so calmly, Tana, and just so chilled. I guess you've had so much time to 
reflect over it. But I mean, in the heat of the moment, only one can understand who's in the heat of the moment. Um, what's what, what like what's going on? And 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 as you said, if you felt in the moment and you were your body was rotating that way, it um yeah, it would have made perfect sense. It's just such a it's such a millisecond yeah. decision, you know. Like it's so hard, man. I can only imagine it would have just been so hard to go back over that through your head, knowing that if you'd landed the invert, I guess that that was your competition to win. Yeah, I mean, I, trust me, I've thought about it plenty. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, I've lost lost some sleep to that one for sure. But, but look where you are that, now. Yeah, but I honestly think that the reason that that played out the way it did was because in my head, I was thinking, play it safe. If I was in any other position in any other heat on that wave, I would have never gone for an invert. I would have just gone for a reverse. And yes. And then you probably would have like, landed a lot sweeter yeah. where the inverse throwing you out into the flats where in air reverse, you can pop it enough to then come down with the whitewash and have a, a soft landing. Yeah. So, you know, Next time, I just won't play it safe. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, mental, hey, it's all such a mental battle. People people look at sports stars and, and think to themselves, oh, you know, physical abilities, um, you know, just so gifted, trained so hard, da 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 But really, when you speak to a lot of these top-level athletes, and it's, it's almost ringing true in this conversation with yourself, a lot of it's mental, like 90% upwards is like mental. You can have all the physical side of things. You can have the game plans. You can, you know, be so prepared and all that stuff. But when it comes down to those to those moments, you know, that's that's one of the, the big deciding factors. It's it's insane. Yeah, man. It, it, this last year, I, like, I don't know how I could have prepared for, like, just the levels of stress that I was – feeling whether or not I was trying, I was, you know, letting myself admit it or not. Um, it's, it, it was wild. I can't imagine like, you know, bodyboarding is a relatively small and like humble sport. I can't imagine like, you know, someone playing in the Super Bowl or like the world cup or like something that is like so insane like that, like that level of like stardom, man, that'd be ins- like, I can't even fathom that. I oh, know, and then you can honestly see where egos um, become rampant and get taken out of control. Like watching the um, David Beckham series on Netflix recently, it was really cool to see. Obviously, he played at the highest level um, and in one mm-hmm. of the the world's biggest games. So just just watching him though, um, having to deal with the stuff outside of the sport, like f- physically and all that, he had trained his heart out, and he could he knew exactly where he wanted to put the ball and could do it time and time again, but mentally throughout his career his toughest moments were were when he was facing like those um those internal battles or like battles that really tested his um mental capabilities like it's it's just insane to watch man and as you said yeah bodyboarding is on a um smaller scale than that so you know even for what you experienced which would have been so insane you can only as you said multiply that out to other sportsmen and just think yeah they deserve all the money they get yeah yeah, if they're going through, you know, what I would imagine is like 10 times the stress of what I did, yeah, fair enough. But, again, at the same time, though, when you say 10 times the stress, everyone has their own um, internal perception of, of what's going on. And, you know, yeah. like, you, 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 like if you know what I mean, everyone's got their own reality. So we, totally. we could 
sit here and, and, and estimate and what whatever, but really like each individual's, um, you know, experience is, is as valid as the next. So, yeah, dude, you're going through Anafagasta, Arika, clearly killing it, South American leg, like as in like you've done years before. Everyone's um, speaking of you so highly, taking out the world title this year. It continues to mount as you get to um, Itacotataria. Ita Itacotataria. I hope we will get that next year. And it's 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 mounting into there, man, because you've made the final and you've come up against an up and coming local superstar in uh well not local, but I mean local to the South American area, Moises Silva. Yep. What was that like in the final, we brew? Man, I was just like I made it out of the semifinals and the pressure that I had started to put on myself from Arika, I felt like the pressure just lifted off my shoulders kind of like, I remember, you know, feeling like, okay, you know, I need to get it. Like I was looking forward to the rest of the year. I was like, okay, I need a good result in Brazil. Like I need to get, you know, I need to get into the final. I need to, you know, have three results going into the rest of the year. Like if I can finish South America strong, like, that's really good for me. Um, but then man in the final, like, yeah, just, just didn't, uh, just didn't go my way. And it was really cool seeing, you know, the Silva brothers on the podium and, you know, Moises winning was really cool for them and really cool for, you know, the up and, you know, they're a couple years younger than me. So I guess they're the new up and coming or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was, you know, it was awesome for Arika. It was, you know, the, their local community was just fired up for them and all of Chile. I mean, you know, it was great for that. Um, but it, man, that was a, that was a hard one to, hard one to swallow for sure. Because that was at that point, my third, second in a row when, you know, in each final, I felt like I didn't get like smoked in the final. Like, you know, I felt like I was right there i didn't feel like i had totally choked or like something went you know i just felt like i was right there and i just missed three times dude you had moises in combo land in in the first 10 minutes like you were you you've been surfing really well i think it's just been as you said like those those real or was sorry those those real 50 50 moments and just a couple of rubs of the green because really when you look back at um moises reverse there man like yeah, it's epic. But at the same time, how many times do you get a bowl like that at that beach? And secondly, what are the odds of that person getting that bowl in the final to get out of combo? Man, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it just it just it, you know, it wasn't mine to win. I guess you know, I felt like I did as much as I could in the final to, you know, win, and you know, the. The ocean had other plans, basically. There's not much you can do about that. No, you can't. And that's one of the biggest things a lot of people speak about. Like Kelly Slater speaks about it a lot. When he won his um, 2022 Pipeline Masters, um, he was almost 50. You could tell in his um, acceptance speech of, 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 the, of the trophy, so to speak, that uh, sometimes you wake up and – you can feel the ocean in your favor and you can feel the energy of that day swinging towards you. And, um, 
you know, sometimes you just know, and, and he's because obviously winning so many times, he just knows when he's on and he's almost unbeatable. And, um, you know, that, that, that must be such a crazy feeling. Have you ever experienced that at, at, at any stage? Like, is in, have you ever felt like everything's in my favour here? I know this year's been hard, but, like, at, at any stage of, of these competitions? Yeah. Um, not this year. I never – I don't know. I felt pretty good going into the final days at each event, but I do know the feeling he's talking about. Um, I had that in Eureka the year I won. Um, I hadn't made it past the quarterfinals in any event ever. I had been in the quarterfinals a bunch and never been able to make the podium. And that event, just things just really clicked for me. Like I had a couple of really hectic heats, like, you know, needing a nine and getting a 10 in the last minute or, um, you know, having a really scrappy heat that normally I just wouldn't make it out of, like needing two fives to make the heat in Eureka is like, before that point, I would have just not made that heat because the waves were tricky or whatever. I would be, yeah, I'd get in my own head about it. But that event, like, it just really felt like it was just going to work out for me no matter what, no matter what kind of. And I would, if I was in a position where I was behind in the heat, I would just, you know, sit at the back and just, you know, take some deep breaths and just think to myself, you know, the wave's going to, if a wave comes in, you know, you you just need a wave to come in. That's it. You know, you're going to do it if the wave comes in. So that's all you can really hope for. And it clicked for me in that event, like, you know, like it hadn't before. I'd felt confident in heats before and I'd won, you know, junior events and I had done well on the, on the men's, uh, you know, tour. But that event, like things kind of clicked into gear for me. And it almost felt like you'd cemented your place on that on that tour after that event and you felt super confident of you yourself being there uh it wasn't it wasn't that year that that happened you know it was the next year when i kind of kept it up i made the i made the final in Eureka again i had some some more good results on tour that kind of showed up i wasn't just a fluke kind of thing at least yeah, right. that was how it felt that was how yeah, it felt yeah it's so funny you even just saying <laughs> it was a fluke. That's it's so classic hearing from a mere mortal, um, like a world champion, saying that it was it was just a fluke. It's, it just shows highlights too. The only reason I'm talking about it is because everyone has those those doubts. You know what I mean? And everyone's got to overcome um, their mental, yeah, their mental conscious, I, I guess, and, and go from there. But dude, you know, you, we just spoke about um, the Brazil comp and Moises with that airverse and obviously you know just being um he, he was just in sync with the ocean on in 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 that heat so you, you can just see how we're going through the finals like you know Anna Fagasta Tristan just surfed um a smarter heat Arika there was that one invert in the over rotation possibly overthinking it and would have gone from normal airverse which you would have landed 99 um, times out of 100 and then we move on to the Maldives Pro and this one for me I thought was going to be the hardest to cop because the the Maldives Pro to me, like you, you, you suit any wave in the world, Tanner, but when mm-hmm. I saw the Maldives come up and I saw almost like how Anna Fagasta, there were, you know, kind of um, not, not, um, not a, it was, it, it looked hard to score to be, to be, to be perfectly honest, like the left and the right, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was just super difficult. It seemed like you had big days, small days. 
um, everything was kind of mix and match. You know, I've spoken to um, Tommy Morris on the potty. Um, he said that he, had, he got there and you've had, you know, 10-foot swells, two-foot swells, side winds, rips, all, all, all this kind of stuff. It just seemed really difficult. And then to me, you coming up against Pierre in the final, I just thought, oh, it's his time here. You know what I mean? It's, 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 he's, put in, he's put in the hours. He's put in the effort. He's, he's m- most likely going to be our 2023 world champ because obviously the IBC had the four comps counting for the entire, and you've been in three finals um, amassing, you know, much higher points than, than um, any of the other competitors. What did it feel like in this comp? And did you think this was going to be the one where you were going to break through? You know, honestly, I didn't. <laughs> I was I was struggling. Um, I didn't feel like I got to click out of, like, second gear the whole time. Like, I never felt like I was getting, like, the that good of waves in the free serves. My heats, I felt like I was just kind of, like, just doing enough to make it through. Um, and, you know, I, I made the final. Like, I, I'm still really happy with, you know, I kind of had to play it smarter just because I feel like I wasn't in, in sync with the waves um, out there. I just felt like, I don't know, I just didn't feel like I was on the best waves in my heats. Um, I was just, I just felt a little lost out there. So I kind of had to play my heats differently than I normally would, where I kind of just play it by feel. I had to, you know, I don't know. I had to be way more careful with priority. I had to just play. I just had to surf my heats a little differently because I just didn't feel like I was having success as much success as I would have liked surfing my heats like I normally do. So going to that final, you know, I felt good that I had made it that far, like, because I did feel like I was kind of getting bogged down a little bit. Um, so going into the final, I was just, you know, like, okay, you know, you've, you've made it this far. You've, you've earned this spot in the final, you know, you can, you can do it again. You know, you can win this final. No reason you can't. And, um, yeah, just, I, I don't know. I was just out of, out of sync with the waves in the final. There weren't, wasn't much that came in. I'm not sure if you watched or if anyone was watching the webcast, but there were two, two waves in the final at the start of the heat that Pierre got that were just better than anything I could scratch into. And that was kind of it. Didn't really get many opportunities after that. Yeah, again, that can be so frustrating. The ocean doesn't give you the opportunities that you require. I see it so many times. People, um, they're just winding down the clock. And, and, you know, if there was another opportunity, probably the best person wins in that heat. But, yeah, and it does come down to rubber the green sometimes. So Pierre gets you there. And I guess that probably leaves it open for Pierre there at that stage to really challenge you for the world title. And after that final, crunching the numbers in your head and, and before they officially came out from the IBC, how were you feeling? Man, I was – I felt pretty good. Like, um, you know, I knew – that anyone behind me was going to have a lot of work to do. I knew it was, you know, not a shut deal basically, but I was like, no, I've done, I've done a lot of good work this year. I feel good with, you know, what I've made happen so far and, you know, they can catch me if they can, basically. It was kind of the, the mindset I had to go into like, all right guys, like, you know, 
this is where I'm at. You guys, you know, try to catch up. Yeah, yeah, Hector. And it is, it, you, you were in a great position because, as we said at the start of the podcast, you're clearly with the best bodyboarder on tour this year by a country mile. Your consistency to be able to turn up at varying waves and bring your A game was fucking epic, Tanner. Like, it really was, man. And let's just quickly, before we go any further, man, can we just average out how many heats you surfed in each comp to get to the final? Because seeding and everything just cool. didn't seem to be as prioritised this year. It's in, and obviously, it's great getting numbers into the sport. But, I mean, at any stage, whether was that a bit of a, a heavier workload than you're expecting in a lot of those comps? Um, I mean, for the top 16, it was pretty, pretty normal for us. Um, it's usually, I want to say seven heats each event. I could be doing that math wrong. I'm just, I just quickly did that in my head. Um, so it'd be round one, potentially two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Seven heats each event. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, and it's usually at least three on the final day because they're usually doing quarter semis final in the last day. So, you know, finals day is the most exhausting day of, of the whole event for sure. Um, and some events like Anapagasta, I was first heat of the morning. So I had to serve four heats that day because they hadn't finished the round before the, the day before. So I had to do Round before quarters, quarters, semis, final. 30-minute oh. heats, you know. <laughs> that must be so hard to just get yourself mentally prepared and reset after the end of the, every heat and then going into the next, just knowing that you've had this huge adrenaline rush, you've got through, you've, you've, you've utilised um, all your skill sets to, 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 to progress into the competition and then you're required in another hour or an hour and a half and da, da, da. And, and don't get me wrong, that's just part of competition and, and I know athletes all around the world are doing that, but um, like not usually at like the world stage in, in on, on the highest level is an athlete required to perform four times in a day, which just puts more merit to your um to your win, man. You know what I mean? It just seems like grueling yeah, schedules. And, you know what I mean? Like it just seems like you guys were – we noticed that a lot. It was just like it just seemed you were surfing all the time and you could go back through all the days and I know there was seeding, but it just seemed like, yeah, you had like so many other competitors that were keen to come up and take you out being like, you know, pretty much the world's number one bodyboarder at the time. Like that, that must have been really hard to just, just get mentally right every day. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – yeah, it, it, it takes it out of you. Like though – you know, like the 10 day events there, it's, it's draining, man. Like I, I would come home from, from an event or I'd, you know, get back from South America. I'd come home from events and I'm like, you know, you, you travel back and you're just like, Oh man, like you can just feel like how drained you are from, from it. Um, and you kind of have to ride the waves, especially like, and I mean that like, figuratively like during the events like you really have to just kind of roll with things um because you know conditions change throughout the day they can change every day um they're making calls all the time that you know oh we're gonna run we're gonna run juniors today we're gonna run women's today but you're down there like kind of trying to pump up in case they run you and um you have to you know if you make it one heat you're super pumped and then you have to kind of like settle back down and prepare for the next one so I have uh, 
I have two different playlists actually on my phone that I listen to before heats. I have one to like kind of zen out and calm down. And then the 30 minutes before heat, I'll have like my pump up like playlist basically to get psyched. And what would be the, um, if you can just choose one song from the pump up playlist, bro, like what would be your, your number one pump up? Oh, here, let me pull it up. I actually have it on my phone. Um, I was listening to, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Um, I think I listened to I'm a B by the black eyed peas a lot before heats. <laughs> wow. Okay. Different. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of a, um, out of left field, but man, that thing, that song gets me psyched. <laughs> that's epic, bro. Yeah. And again, it doesn't really have to be, um, anything like lyrically that's like blowing you away. Hey, it can just be the tune of the song and just the, the, the mind frame it puts you in. Hey, you just start bouncing around and you just want to move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, whatever works, I guess. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. All right, well, that's cool to know. So, you've obviously been surfing a lot of heats this year. It's all come down to front on at the end, and the period between the Maldives to front on. What was that like? A it's like an eight week break. Yeah, something like that. It was pretty long. It actually might have been more because they had the event in South Africa, and then um, Morocco was scheduled to be in between the break also had Sintra. So there were like three event slots in between the Maldives and Bronton. So yeah, it might was a pretty been, solid, pretty solid break. Yeah. It might've been three, three months, 12 weeks. So I guess that, that period there, you're looking at the points, you're sitting well above anyone else on the leaderboard. I remember me and Sean Cooper on Comp Talk um, discussing it and really only seeing Pierre as a possible threat to taking out your world title hope. And as it continued on, as Fronton got closer, there were releases from the IBC and just um, fans in general talking about the, the, the breakdown. And towards the start of the comp, things got really um, hyped up with with the the world title um, analyzer, so to speak, where it was what you need to do in the competition at front on and what Pierre needed to do in the competition um, for each individual athlete to win their own world title. How were you mm-hmm. dealing with that pressure leading up to front on, um, you know, knowing that you pretty much had it all sewn up, but there was a chance you could lose it? Yeah. Um, I mean... I was tr- I was trying to tell myself that I was dealing with the pressure properly, but I just clearly wasn't. I mean, I was, you know, not sleeping very well at night. Like I'd get hit with like these waves of basically just anxiety, just like thinking about it. Like, man, like you've done, you've had such a good year and, you know, it could all just be, you know, taken away if Pierre just has, you know, if Pierre just does what he is very, very capable of doing, you know, he could easily take it. And, um, I, man, I went over every scenario. I went over every like thing I did wrong that year and just, it was, it was a lot. I'm, I'm so happy. I don't have to think about that right now. oh i could hear it in your voice tanner that's insane man it's just yeah it's unfathomable what you would have been going through just knowing yeah as you said all the hard work could be undone by this flying frenchman who has serious capabilities and um in his own right um is as worthy as a world title 
um, champion uh, as yourself and, and has done in previous years. So, yeah, it would have just been – it was uh, as a spectator man looking in, it was mouth-watering because it was like, holy shit, you know, there's a slight chance that this could go the other way and I'm sure all eyes will be on the comp to see how that unfolds. And as we all know it to be, you bomb out early, man, and I can just yeah. – imagine that sort of feeling at the time and then thinking, as you said, about the waves of anxiety and all this kind of stuff rushing to her head. How did you take that bomb out early? I was surprised I came up the cliff with my board in one piece. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was pretty damn disappointed with myself. Um, just cause I, I don't know. I was feeling good. You know, Fronton is a really tricky wave to compete at because it's so good that and it's but it, well, it's really good it's really intimidating but i don't know i haven't quite figured out how to identify like the fives and sixes out there like you can see the really good ones it's pretty obvious like okay this is a nine this is a 10 but you know like the sometimes you don't need nines and tens to make heats you need you know fives and sixes and for whatever reason, I just couldn't see, see those out there. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it was, it was a close heat. The one I got knocked out in, it was actually the same heat, same round. I lost that event in last year and to one of the same competitors as last year. So that was pretty hectic. <laughs> Ator Ojeda knocked me out of the event last year in that same round. And then again this year. So good on him. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a super cool guy. He's a legend. Um, but that was it was hard to hard to take, especially because I was like, great. Now I just have to like sit and watch this unfold. Like I can't do anything about it. You know, like I can't be in the final now to beat Pierre if I have to. Like I have to just like, you know, watch everything happen. Oh, man, that would have been the hardest thing to cop on the chin, man. Like, you know, this is just from my point of view, but I imagine from yours, like it, it was hard for us to watch on the sideline. We'd see the, the cameras from the live feed every now and again go to you for results of heats and all this kind of stuff. And I just I almost felt bad for you. I was just like, fuck, get the camera off this bloke. He's probably just internally trying to, like, keep himself from exploding because um, he just he wants this win so badly and he's in such uh, – he's at the biggest moment of his career so far. And, you know, but from a spectator's um, point of view, yeah. man, it was, like, it was crazy mouth-watering. It was just, like, everything we kind of wanted to see. Not wanting to see you getting knocked out. I would have preferred no, no. Guys to come yeah. up together in a heat. But, like, just the chance and the door left open for Pierre and then, you know, to put on top of it, then the whole ordeal with Mike and yeah. not getting, you know, put into the front on pro, this is seating getting taken away um, from, you know, a, a, an, an issue. I, I won't go into any further because we, we've all got our, our different opinions on it. And it was, um, sure. you know, just bad for the sport in general. It would have been lovely to see Mike compete there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, with all that playing on in the background and then this, the, the front on pro became, Oh my goodness, man! Like just front page news in bodyboarding, not for for almost all the wrong reasons too. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was, um, yeah. It was. It was certainly crazy. the most. It was certainly the most talked about event of the year. Um, <laughs> whether that's, whether whether it was good press or bad press, 
um, you know, got people talking. So I guess that's yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. And in the media, that is probably one of the, the, the biggest key backbones, isn't it? As long as that the information or the news that is presented gets a conversation out of it. Um, yeah, it, 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 it'll make a splash. So you're there, man, you're waiting for these heats to be surfed. Um, what were you, Craig, and the crew doing just to keep your mind um, in the in, in the right place leading up to those those final days? I was just trying to trying to sleep and just trying to surf. Basically, um, we had a you know it was, it was pretty hectic. Like I got eliminated on I think Tuesday or Wednesday, or I think it was Tuesday, and like pretty much straight after they ran like a couple more heats after me, they called the comp off for the day right before Pierre's heat. So I had like spent the whole day like dealing with losing and then like, okay, I got to get ready to watch Pierre's heat now because, you know, if he loses his heat, like, you know, I win the world title kind of thing. So I had spent all day like after getting knocked out, like dealing with that. And then right before like it's time for Pierre to go out, they call the comp off and they're like, oh yeah, now we're done for the day. And then they put the comp on hold for like three more days. So I just had to like, <laughs> just like stew in my own like stress for a couple of days. Oh, man, that'd be so agonizing. I mean, obviously that was not done on purpose, but just to, yeah, like to, to, to have to front up every time and watch your heat knowing that you could be crowned the world champion or you might not, it would have been such yeah. a, a roller coaster of emotions that you would have to keep hyping yourself up for. Because again, like, if you do get crowned the world champion, like you want to enjoy it and all that kind of stuff, but you don't want to go too early and crow too early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot because like the final day, like I had to be there basically went for check-in because Pierre was first seed of the day. So I had to walk in and, you know, get ready to watch his heat. <laughs> and so he's getting ready to like, we're the only people in the competitors area, basically, you know, first heat and then me and Craig, like getting ready to watch, like, oh man, here we go. Um, but, you know, it was really cool having Craig there because it was just good to have, a you know, one of your best friends there with you for that. And he, you know, we would go surf together and, you know, it takes your mind off of things. And just having him there as like kind of my support there was, you know, you know, I can't thank him enough for that really. You know, he was there when I won, basically telling me to fucking breathe because I was (laughs) sitting there like not breathing, like watching the heat. So I was just so nervous. Oh, man, it's so good you had one of your best friends there. Yeah, you guys have got such an epic relationship. It's mirrored through um, social media so well, like just the cool things you guys do together and you're always surfing together. So it would have been so fitting to have, um, yeah, him there in your corner, man, like, and, and looking back on some of the footage and the, the video to come out of the athletes area when you do get crowned, like, the the emotion that comes through in your face, like, you can see your your veins in your arms, like, flaring up. You're, like, clenching your fists so hard. Like, it's legitimately obviously pure joy and elation, but it looks like a lot of relief in there too, man. Like, what was that feeling when you got crowned world champion? Man, it was, like... It was crazy and I could never have expected like the fully like the full on physical reaction my body had. Like I swear I physically felt the stress like leave my body. It was like 
You know, when you sleep on your arm and you wake up and your arm has like pins and needles and it's asleep. Yeah. I felt my, I felt my arms and legs like go numb with like pins and needles. Like it was like flushing out of my body. Wow. Did you it feel like you like, purged anything? Like, did you like that later that, did you feel like you just were kind of just yelling shit out of you? Like all the stress? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like the stress, like evaporating through my skin kind of is what it felt like. It was wow. really weird. I never like my, like my legs almost gave out. Like <laughs> it was wild. Jesus. That's crazy. So it had a big physical effect on you. Eh? It wasn't just an emotional understanding. It was like your whole body was electric. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never like, never been able to like prepare for that. Like it was, it, it, I fully just think it was like all the stress I had like been just holding on to, whether or not I was like aware of it all or the like magnitude of it, just like just getting flushed out in that moment. That's so sick to hear, man. It's so, so deserved. I cannot tell you enough. I've said it before on the potty or our potty today. Like you just were, you were so deserving of it, bro. And you, you, you were the best boog out there all year. And, and you're up against like, really quality opposition in like Amore, Tristan and Pierre. And, and, and again, I could name so many others on there, like Matias Diaz, for example, um, yeah. Ethan Capteville, like so many people just coming up in different areas and like pressuring you. Um, the Silvers, like the Silver Brothers, obviously like it, there's a, yeah, there was, there was a really good um, level of boogie this year and you reign supreme, man, and you deserve to be 2023 IBC world champion like it's, it's fucking it really sounds good after your name Tanner McDaniel uh thank you thank you it I could get used to that I <laughs> get used to that fucking no did you get people to refer to you now it's just like yeah world champion like go through Burger King yeah what would you like world champ yeah that's that's a good idea I'll, maybe I'll try that <laughs> yeah. dude and you you've won the world title bro 2023 was yours how did you party on Grand Canary that island we we had a few beers for sure. I told Robin like a week before his heat with Pierre that if he beats Pierre, I will buy him beer for the rest of his life. <laughs> and I lived up to that. <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. So he's yeah. he's probably still drunk. Oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we had, we had a sick night. It was you know it was a great time. We had an awesome time. They had a had a concert at the you know event site the, that night, and you know everyone just flocked there and yeah, just got after got it. Got after it, yeah, giddy up, man. Let it all let it all um flow free and, and let it out. And what was it like coming home? Um, did you fly into Cali first, or did you go straight to Kauai? I flew back to California, and it was um, a bit of a mission getting home. We had kind of a hectic. Uh, hectic layovers and whatnot, but uh, I was greeted with a pretty surprising crew of, um, you know, the local guys around here in Orange County. My my mom and my brother drove down from up north. Uh, my grandma flew up from Mexico where she lives now, and um, my dad came in a day later, and my girlfriend and her family were here to pick me up, like, from the airport. Like, when I went down the escalator, like, I had no idea any of this was happening. And, you know, like the, just the whole crew around here showed up at the airport and, you know, they were blowing, making noise and hooting and hollering and clapping and stuff. And I was just absolutely fried from traveling that I like 
didn't know what to do, but it was, it was so cool, you know, to have everyone there. Wow, man. Yeah, it honestly would be. I, I think I did see a slight glimpse of that possibly on, on Insta. Um, maybe Craig might have filmed it. And, um, yeah, it looked like you had a huge crew there, bro. It looked like everyone was was frothing. And I, I didn't know if that was the first place you, you flew into or, or you had been home yeah. to Kauai. But, um, fuck, that's 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 sick. And, and yeah, like just, um, just come to the realisation that, you know, you, you have – realized and achieved your lifelong dreams you know what i mean like i i, I yeah. don't know if that i mean i might be putting words in your mouth there bro i, I don't know if it, if it was a dream of yours but it, fuck you're at the top of the world right now yeah no i mean yeah no you're you're right since i pretty much entered my first you know bodyboarding competition this is what i wanted to do so to say it's a lifelong dream is pretty fair yeah fuck <laughs> So cool, bro. Like, honestly, just, yeah, you, you, I'm, I'm sure you have um, understood what you've achieved, but it, just keep reflecting on it because it's um, it's really special and it's and it's something that I know um, only a select few people on this earth will ever be able to achieve when in a world title in any sort of um, sport or their chosen discipline. So it's it's just, um, yeah, it's something really proud of and really and just soak it on in, man, because it, it – I think it will happen again, but the chance the, there are chances that it might not. So just live it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty damn content right now, to be honest. So <laughs> it, it feels, yeah, it feels I get hit with I'm still getting hit with kind of waves of it. Like I'll kind of, you know, start I'll be not thinking about it for a little while, and then I'll you know get reminded of it, and I'll get you know flushed with like the wave of you know excitement and just yeah, I'm. I'm riding the wave of it and it's awesome. Fuck yeah, brother. And at 23, it's such a young age to do it. There's not many people in the sport that have achieved things at such a young age. So that's also um, such a cool achievement. But I mean, thinking thinking forward now, after we've reflected so much on your win, what are the plans for next year? And are you looking to secure another world title? I am still kind of evaluating that. There's... Um... You know, some cool some cool things I would like to do in bodyboarding as well as, you know, win the world title and compete on the world tour. I love competing. I love, you know, doing the tour because, you know, I, I have made some really awesome friends on the tour and I love to compete. But, you know, I have other things I'd like to do within this industry. You know, I want to do some more personal stuff. I want to, you know surf some waves I haven't surfed and go places I haven't been. And if I'm doing the tour, I know you could do both. Well, it's really freaking expensive, but um, <laughs> if I'm going to do the tour, I want to be putting my full attention on the tour. I don't want to be like thinking about, Oh, I have to, you know, go, go here after this, or I have a flight, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be focusing on anything other than the tour or yeah. I don't want to be, kind of caught in the middle. So I'm taking right now to kind of, um, I guess, reflect on what I, what else I'd like to do. And if, you know, next year I do the tour, then I'm going to give it my all and yeah, we'll see. Yes. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, the world is your oyster, so to speak. And um, I'm sure 
there are a lot of places in the world that would love to have you um, over there bodyboarding. One of them probably would be Australia around May, June, July for the 2024 Star Challenge. Could that be something yeah. maybe on your radar, man? Because we'd love to have you over here. That is 100% on my radar. I have been itching to get back to Oz. Um, and I have pretty high intentions of making it back next year. So, you know, watch out. <laughs> Sick, sick, bro. Will you be coming over with mine? Um, I don't know. I haven't planned that far ahead. I just know um, I know that I would like to come over for and spend some time in Oz. It's been, it's yeah. been too long. It's been too long yeah. since I've been down under. It has, man. When were you here last? 2020, was it? 2000, 2019, I think. Okay. The, I haven't been to Oz on a research trip since like 2016. You know, I've only been for the event. The The last two events were the Kama Pro. And yeah. um, it's just, it's been hard to, to get down there with, you know, South America conflicts with a pretty damn good time for, you know, the East Coast. So it's yeah. just been hard. It's been hard for me to, you know, be in South America for a month and a half, two months like last year. And then, I mean, geez, sounds weird complaining about that, but um after that you just want to get just want to get home you know yeah man it sounds like a grueling leg and obviously rightly so being you know some great competition sites and um a lot of froth for boog in there but yeah it's it's heavy and also when you were back here in 2019 man for the last time you're here we had a stinking winter do you remember how bad that was i do yeah i do it wasn't it wasn't i was his best showing yeah, it was fucked. And I can remember you guys all there for the comp. I worked on that comp with Surfing New South Wales under Alex Leo. And um, I can remember us holding all the way to the end of the waiting period for the last day for a three-foot south swell to come up the coast. And I was conferring with the guy at Swellnet, Craig Brockinger, who's um, it's a forecasting site here in Australia, and he's one of the head meteorologists on it. And um, we were praying for a three-foot south swell to come up the coast so we could just get you know, the finals day one and run. And I remember Winnie won that comp um, yep. and it was in classic, like two to three foot, just, you know, beach break condition, something you'd find a, a club comp, but obviously the world's best were doing it. And yeah, man, that, that whole year, you know, that just identifies it there. If you've got a finals day, you're waiting for two to three foot Southwell, then, you know, you've had a bit of a shocker. So yeah, man, once you come back out, hopefully next year, we I'm, I'm sure we're going to be due for some waves and, um, yeah, just like you even see what Tristan and Steph Corcoralis got this year um, here. Oh, man. I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking that in my head then. Far out, they got some waves. Yeah, oh, man, it looked like they scored. Um, but, yeah, I can pretty confidently say I'll be in Oz again next year. Epic, bra. That's epic. Well, hopefully we're going to see you for the 2024 Shark Island Challenge. If you want to come into that competition, I dare say you could just knock on one of our doors and you'll be <laughs> in, sir. So um, please don't hesitate to come over. And, and, dude, I just want to thank you for coming on the potty and being a guest on Luke's Lounge and um, just detailing your journey this year, man, because we've all had so much fun watching it um, and we felt – the pressure for you we felt the elation and just you know even from an australian saying to an american um congratulations on the world title it's, it's a big thing brother because yeah you just deserved it and you surf so well so congratulations tanner yeah thank you so much you know um yeah it's been a good it's been a damn damn good ride so you know thanks for sticking in there with me thanks for the support <laughs>
No dramas, bro. We'll be in there next year with you too if you um if you decide to put the gloves on and, and go in the ring, man. But until then, we will say goodbye and hopefully have back on the potty um when we see you in Australia next year. Yeah, let's do it. Happy days, Tanner. Speak well, bro. Yeah, chat soon. Let's go!